In a very deep well, you can see a star, even on the brightest day. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Tatum. And I'm Geneva. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Okay, Geneva, I know it's been, what, two days since we (laughs) recorded last time? It has not been very much time at all. Yeah, and you and I both have had a lot of things going on since then, so (laughs) do you have anything that you've been watching that you'd like to talk about? Well, I have one thing, um, which is that I finally saw Barbie. Uh, oh, I didn't night. know that. Yeah, I actually I left you a, a voicemail. Did um, you? Late last night, which I know you've been busy, so understandable if you haven't been able to listen it. to it yet. <clears throat> yeah, but so just a brief... Um, uh, side note, Geneva, I don't think I got it. Oh, you didn't? No, I don't see it. What? Oh, In, wait, um, no, there it is. Yep. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My WhatsApp doesn't give me notifications for some reason. I need to go into my settings and check that. Anyway, I will listen to it. Okay. Well, a brief, uh, spoiler-free, my my thoughts on Barbie. Uh, Overall, I liked it. Um, I think the... um, I was a little bit nervous, I got to be honest, about the humor and whether the style of it would be a little bit too... Whether I would find it a little bit cringeworthy based on what was in the trailers, but I, I didn't. I I laughed many times. I thought it was very charming, um, very fun. Um, I loved all the dance sequences and the incorporation of so music. So good. That was so great. <laughs> um, Ryan Gosling is as wonderful as everyone says. I it's mean, he's his best a, performance ever. I yeah, feel like. he's such a talented comedic actor. I mean, I, I, I would be hard-pressed to say whether I prefer this or him in The Nice Guys, but they're 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 neck and neck for me right now. He's he's so good in this type of role. And Margot Robbie, I don't see pe- people really talking about her performance very much. Maybe just because it's so seems so you know she's the star of the movie. She's so front and center. It's almost obvious. But I think she's fantastic. I think she does so well playing the idea of being a living doll and then having emotions, <laughs> unexpected emotions, being brought into it. <clears throat> um, for me, I think. The issues are primarily with the script. I think the it starts out very strong in Barbie Land, and then once once Will Ferrell comes in, (laughs) yeah, um, the the script starts to the plot starts to fall apart. I think Um, there are two characters, two human characters who are a big part of it: the America Ferrera character and her daughter. I'm forgetting their actual characters' names. Um, I think they have a lot of potential, but they don't really have anything to do, which is disappointing. And the plot, <clears throat> I think it sets up a really interesting plot arc with Barbie as she's kind of trying to figure out what her place is in the 21st century. Um, what is the relationship that girls today have with Barbie? What has been her legacy? And then I feel like the movie kind of halfway through just forgets about that and Ken takes over the movie and again Ryan Gosling is wonderful like I'm not complaining about having a lot of Ken in the movie but it felt like it kind of got away from the interesting things about Barbie herself and the Barbie character 
gets a little bit sidelined in the second half of the movie, um, which is disappointing. Um, so, and <laughs> I may be partly just comparing it unfavorably to Enchanted, which has a very <laughs> similar plot structure, um, and I think is a really underrated movie. Um, and this movie definitely makes plot choices that Enchanted did not make, which is fine, but I, I think it's just, it doesn't really come together for me. I think there are just too many dropped threads that um, should have been explored more. And um, it goes off in directions that maybe could have worked better in the sequel than what they were were setting up. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm really glad that it's been so successful. I mean, you know, it's so been out for, successful, so incredibly successful. It's been out for over a week now, um, and you know, my theater was all, all the showings around me were nearly sold out. You know, there was just a sea of pink when I went, um, which was great. And I think it's the the third highest grossing movie of the summer, which is insane. Thinking insane, about all the movies insane. that have come out this and summer, after one it's, week, it's the third highest grossing yeah. film of the summer. And I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's now the most successful movie ever made by a female filmmaker. Uh, in um, terms of box office, yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really love that it exists. I had a great time. Um, I did have some issues with it, so it's not going to be maybe my top top of the summer, but. Um, yeah, good movie overall. If you haven't seen it yet, would recommend. Yeah, I I will go back and listen to your voice message because I'm interested to hear your uh, in-depth thoughts on it. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because I, I was expecting a lot more cringe as well. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So um, it was a lot funnier than I expected. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. Um, I have not watched anything. So it, like I said, it's literally been, I think two days. So, and it's been a weekend and I've had a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and, uh, jump into our review. Let's do um, it. Um, wow. That was weird. I don't know why I said, um, like that anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into our review of, uh, Ivan's childhood. So, Today on the show, we will be discussing Andrei Tarkovsky's 1962 war drama, Ivan's Childhood. Being only 30 30 years old upon the film's release, Ivan's Childhood is considered to be one of the best film debuts of all time. I don't speak Russian, so I, the names, I feel like the names throughout this whole podcast are going to be a struggle, so bear with me. Apologize Um, (laughs) to our Russian speaking listeners. Yeah, the large amount of them that we have. Um... (laughs) So, based on Vladimir Bogomolov's 1957 short film, Ivan, Ivan's childhood follows a young Soviet boy named Ivan who, during World War II, finds himself torn between the opportunity to live as a normal kid in boarding school and his desire to continue serving the Soviet government as a spy behind German lines. So, um, Ivan's Childhood, the movie, was one of uh, one of a few films made during the Khrushchev thaw in the Soviet Union that represented the horrors of war and its effect on humanity. Um, and Tarkovsky stated while in production of this film that he hoped that this movie would convey his own personal hatred of war. And just for context, uh, I did not know any of this before doing research for this movie, but the Khrushchev thaw was a period in the Soviet Union that lasted from the mid-1950s to the mid-1960s when censorship in the country was reduced after Stalin's death and 
Nikita Khrushchev Nikita Khrushchev yeah came into power as the first secretary of the Communist Party. So I just thought that was an interesting uh just historical context for this film. Yeah, thank you for including that. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh, as far as this movie goes, Ivan's childhood's legacy has lasted through to this day and was claimed by many film directors such as Ingmar Bergman, Christoph Kies... I know this director, but I can't pronounce the name. Kieslowski, it looks like. Yep. And Sergei Parov... Yes. Parajanov? Sure. Yeah. See, I speak Spanish. Again, apologies to (laughs) any listeners out here who know the proper pronunciations (laughs) of these these names. Yeah, I speak Spanish. I'm like Parahanov. And I'm like, that's definitely not right. (laughs) Um, But anyway, these film directors um, have been known to say that this film uh, was a large influence on their work, which if you watch any of their movies, you can see kind of that inspiration there. So um, yeah, and in the decades that have passed since Ivan's childhood's release, Tarkovsky has come to be known as one of the most accomplished and highly revered visual filmmakers of all time, which I think that he is. <laughs> um, so, and actually his, I forgot to look, write down his name here, but uh, the cinematographer for this movie was someone that he collaborated on, co- collaborated with on a few of his films, not all of them, but on a handful of them. I think... He was with him on Andre Rublev and this one and Solaris, I think. Oh, interesting. It I'm got the Wikipedia page pulled up. It looks like it's Vadim Yusof. There you go. Yeah. And by the way, when we say Solaris, we mean the nineteen seventy two version <laughs> directed by Andre Tarkovsky. <laughs> Not the George Clooney version. Not the George Clooney one. <laughs> um so yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of just a basic uh, context of the movie. So, yeah, Geneva, why don't you go ahead and get us started? What did you think of this film? Sure, yeah. So this is the first Tarkovsky film I've ever seen, and this this was my first time watching it. Tatum has been raving to me about Tarkovsky for (laughs) quite a while. For years! (laughs) Yes, um, so I'm very, very glad to finally have the opportunity to see it. yeah, this movie is incredible. I, Yay. <laughs> I, my only regret is that I didn't wasn't able to watch it for the first time on a big screen because mm. this is seriously mm-hmm. one of the most visually stunning movies I have ever seen. Yep. Um, despite it being entirely set in rubble-strewn, war-torn, devastated landscapes, it is just absolutely gorgeous to watch it's kind of everything that i love about about black and white photography um wrapped up into one movie it is um yeah it's just it's a devastating movie to watch it is very um you know it's a movie that is very much considering the subjective experience of people in the midst of war and the horrors and the trauma and um the, the ways that um, it, time seems to go away and you're sort of living between the past and the present. And um, the one kind of fear that you have is this idea of being out of being alone or being away from um, the, the purpose that you find in the war, even if that would be ultimately more healing to your psyche and safe for yourself um i just i was so struck by the the resistance that ivan has to being put somewhere safe you know people try and tell him like you're just a boy this is not this war is 
should not be for children. You shouldn't be here. You should be, you've done your part. You should be going somewhere safe. And he's just, no, I have to be here. I have to help. I have to avenge my family. And it ultimately, um, I guess spoilers for the end of the movie, but you know, this is a, I guess we're going to talk through the whole movie. Um, it ultimately costs him his life. And it's so incredibly sad and tragic. But at the same time, there is, um, I don't want to say something redemptive because there's not really, but um, the the relationships that he has with the different soldiers is so fascinating because there's so much warmth and tenderness that they have for him. You know, there is this really fatherly or big brotherly um, care that they give to him and they they truly do seem to desire for him to be um, safe and cared for. But at the same time, you're in the middle of the war. And if he's an asset and he can serve a purpose for you, you've got to take that, you know? And so it's this, yeah, the, the, the cost of war, not just on in terms of kind of the physical effects that it has, but in the way that it makes everyone, including children, into kind of commodities and um, takes away any sort of humanity to them apart from serving their part or, or being able to um, kind of exact their their desire for for revenge and yeah <laughs> I don't know I I, I f- feel like I struggle to know what exactly to say about this movie I mean there is so much to it but it is just so much a, a an experience and um it's just yeah you you come away with it and you're just like wow (laughs) (laughs) kind of don't know how to process that but um it's it's incredible I first of all I'm so glad that you liked this movie uh it's yeah like is a a weird word to use for a movie like this but I I know what you mean I love this movie it's great (laughs) it's my favorite movie I watched it every ride (laughs) um but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was kind of telling Geneva before we started recording, when you watch more of Tarkovsky's films, you really can see how this is his starting point. It's this idea of, because his films really do this thing where they throw a lot of really important human questions and realities and, and philosophical ideas your way. And then they also have these stunning visuals. And then you finish the movie and you're just left with, I just need to think now about all of these things. Like, I don't know how I feel about like it. Yeah. It's just, he's such a, he's just such a good, he does such a good job of um, just raising questions that everyone should be asking in ways that aren't like force feeding you of like, ask yourself these questions. These are the answers. Um, His ability to communicate emotion it's just it he communicates emotion through intellect in a way that I haven't really seen through other directors other than Ingmar Bergman. I think Ingmar Bergman does that as well. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Ivan's childhood, not all of Tarkovsky. Uh, I will say, Geneva, though, I hope you I hope this motivates you to watch more Tarkovsky because he's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely will. I all, those three movies that you named are all on my list. Um, they are a lot longer. So it'll yes. Be- yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be a bit more, more challenging in certain ways, but I, I'm very much looking forward to them. 
we will be talking about Stalker at some point because it's one of my favorite films of all time, like top, top, top. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Ivan's childhood. I obviously uh, really like question mark <laughs> this movie. Um, it's I find it to be a very interesting way to approach the horrors of war because we've seen movies do this time and time again. But I love how this movie does it in sort of a, a generational sense because we see kind of a, a preteen child. Then we see this other captain who looks like he's 19 years old. And then we see this yeah. other guy who's in his, I don't know, late 30s. And then we see this older man who's in his maybe 60s or 70s or something like that. And so I and then also we obviously have Masha's perspective as well. And so I really love how it shows how war can affect people of different generations and also different genders as well, even though we only have one generation of a woman other than Ivan's mom, who is dead at this point. Um, But I just think that that's a really interesting way to approach uh, just a meditation on how war affects humanity. And similar to what you said, I love how, you know, we we know what these men have to do as, you know, people as military men, you know, but what we really see of them in this film is them being humans, being very tender and gentle towards this little child and towards each other in certain ways. And, um, and so I just, I think it's really cool to see how these men are human and they are just people that are here because they have to be here. And they have these conflicted feelings of, Maybe we don't want to be here, but we feel like we need to be here. Do we want to be here? You know, um, and each of them have their own little story. And because we have Ivan, like you said, who he has this opportunity. He was sent to boarding school and then he left and then they want to send him to military school and he runs away. And and then we also have um, uh, Colin, who when we're first introduced to him, he's like very... Uh, paternal towards Ivan and all of these things. But then we see him in another scene where he's predatory towards Masha. And there's just so much going on here in terms of these are human beings, but what does war do to people and how does that work? Um, And so, and I love the concept of using the flashbacks and then the present day. And then I don't know. And then having this older man talk about how, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, my wife will be back. I have to fix up the house before she gets back. And it's like, oh, no, oh, no. Like, no, I'm pretty sure she's dead and your entire house is destroyed. Well, it's fascinating because he he tells Ivan, like, my old woman was shot by the Nazis mm-hmm. in one breath. And then the next he's like, oh, my wife's going to be back. Yep. Like, it's his his mind is just so completely shattered. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's so sad. And this whole concept of like, I'm looking for a nail. I'm looking for a nail when there's probably nails everywhere. And Ivan picks one's up, picks one up. And he's like, is it this one? And he's like, no, it can't be that one. It's, it's a different one. It's like, okay, like probably not, but all right, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think this movie is, is a really, really well done meditation on war and the effects it has on people in ways that are just very true. Um, I mean, I've never experienced war in this sort of sense, but they just feel very, um, just very human. So yeah. Um, another thing Geneva and I were talking about before starting to record is that we're not entirely sure how to talk about this movie. So this might be a pretty short 
episode, which is fine. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'm just going to do, I'm just going to kind of walk through the plot and then we can kind of stop if there's anything in particular that we want to mention as we go through that. Yeah, Um, that sounds good. Yeah. So we have the opening of this movie, which is a dream sequence where it, it's either dream sequence or flashback or both of them. Memory, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Ivan's kind of walking through nature and he's laughing and looking at all these trees and these leaves and all of these beautiful things. Um, and then we kind of pretty quickly after that cut to him in this like war torn sort of area and escaping. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say there's just an incredible cut that you're not expecting um, between. Um, so he's he's with his mother and she puts up her arm to wipe her her brow. Mm, and then all right, of a sudden yeah. you hear a shot ring out and she spins around and falls on the ground. And then all of us, it's just this immediate jump cut to him, I think, sitting up in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's so jarring. It per- puts you perfectly in the headspace of, of where he's at right then. Yes. Thank you for supporting me in that because I there's lots of holes that I'm going to need you to fill for me because I watched this a few days ago and I'm like, oh, OK, I don't fully remember everything. Um, but yes, thank you for that reminder. Yeah, it's it's a pretty shocking start to the film. Um, but it, like you said, it puts us right where we need to be. Um, so then after that, we kind of have, you know, Ivan waking up in this kind of, you know, just I don't even know. It's like a destroyed wooden house structure or something. And then he starts navigating through this like swampy water slash river that he apparently swims all the way across that later in the movie, I think it's Colin who says, uh, you know, a full grown man probably wouldn't even be able to make that swim. So we kind of see him starting that. And then we have the opening Ivan's childhood title go across the screen. And it really is just a great introduction to what this movie is going to be about um and so after that then we have a sequence where Ivan kind of meets uh Captain Galstev for the first time who seems to be how old would you say like 19 he looks pretty young he he looks very young I think is he a captain I thought he they refer to him at, at certain points as lieutenant but he might be a captain I'm not quite sure but yeah he's very clearly you know maybe early 20s if that yeah um he's it's very clear like he was you know enlisted very recently because of the war and has kind of whatever position he's been in he's been put into it very recently but I find it interesting that he also at least from my perspective seems to be someone who has power you know he's not just like uh, not power but like has rank he's not just a military guy who's being who's oh, following yeah. he, orders he's, defi- he's a, definitely an officer there are people under him that he's commanding yeah yeah like absolutely. he he gives orders and he has access to the higher ups to call them and even though he's like i can't just call headquarters but then he eventually does like he does have access to them so i found it to be interesting that such a young person who is almost kind of a, a child in a certain way is put into this role um and I love that dynamic that he's that young because then when he meets Ivan, it, I don't know, I feel like it really emphasizes the age between the two of them. And we have these beautiful moments where, where, um, Galstev kind of tells Ivan to like wash up and everything. And then when he, 
when he falls asleep, he's like carrying Ivan to bed and tucking him in. And it's just like, oh, this is just a big brother caring for this young little boy who's tired and needs to go to sleep, you know? And it's just it really sweet. so incredibly sweet. There's this this moment where um, he, he gets the water so that Ivan can take a bath because he's, you know, he's covered in grime because he was swimming through a swamp. And like little Ivan, he, you know, he takes off his clothes and gets into the bath and you see just how thin this boy is, you know, the, the actor that they, they chose. He really does, you know, he's just so vulnerable and small and you just like, you're right with Galtsev because you're just like, you just want to protect him, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. <sighs> yeah. I, yeah. Oh, and I just forgot just moved I jumped ahead a little bit but we see when Ivan first gets there he's kind of his own sort of commander too again like this young child who has to take control and he's like you need to connect me with headquarters I have specific orders and I have information that they need and so he kind of forces Galsev to to do his bidding basically and and it's just this interesting dynamic of these two young kids who both have way more responsibility in this war than they should have, but they do. And, you know, through through Galtsev making all those phone calls to the higher-ups, we learn that, okay, Ivan's actually a Russian kid who was sent behind Germany lines, or whether he was sent there or whether he was there, he was behind German lines connecting, or connecting, collecting Scouting, information yeah. to share once he got back into Russian hands. And... um we also learned through that that there were people kind of waiting to welcome Ivan when he came back. They had like a rendezvous spot and Ivan ended up having to go a different route because the Germans were everywhere. And then we learned like we don't really know what happened to those men that were waiting for him. Are they dead? Probably. Do we know? No. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the story progression that happens there. Yeah. Yeah, we we first get a sense of Ivan's personality in this scene. And I mean, like you said, it's this this idea of a young child who's been forced to grow up so fast because he is so he is so stubborn and he is so commanding. And he's just like, no, this you need to call this person. They're going to be so they're going to be upset with you if you don't. I'm a very important person. I have important information you need to call. Um, And yeah, he's just he is so focused on his mission. You know, he's really taken this on that I am an important part of this war and I have a um I have a job that I need to do and I'm going to do it at all costs and um I'm not going to let anyone push me around or tell me that I'm I can't because I'm a child and I'm too small. Um I have my smallness is the asset that I have and I'm going to use it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and we we come to learn later on in the movie that he he's an orphan. You know, we have that that sequence in the beginning where his mom is seemingly shot, but we also learn that he had a sibling who was killed as well, and a father who was an officer somewhere who was yeah, killed. border guard. They said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sense of he's driven by revenge and also grief as well. I'm sure, um, but he is so seemingly he's just in a place where he just wants to feel like he has control over what mm-hmm. happens to him. And he wants to be able to like, yeah, just take, take revenge and uh, fight for his family that was yeah. taken from him. I love that moment later in the movie. And um, maybe we'll talk about it a little more when we get there, but he's looking through this book of art prints and he oh. sees one of um, yeah. these sort of, I don't know if it's supposed to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but it's this really 
terrifying skeletal figure on a horse who's mowing down people and wreaking havoc and, you know, just looks really terrifying and demonic. And he's like, I saw a German once who looked like that, you know? Yeah. Sorry. He's just like, he, he's fully in that sort of, you know, military wartime mindset of just like, these are my enemy. They are, um, they're demonic basically and understandably you know given given what they've done and what what he has had to witness and so he's just he's just so single-minded you know i need to do everything that i can to um exact revenge and take down these these people who did this to me and my family that's actually uh, aside from the the scene in the woods between colin and masha that's that's actually my favorite scene in the movie cuz i feel like it it reveals so much about Ivan as a person um, because in the one sense we, we see that he's actually a very educated kid. Like he, he seemingly knows how to, he has his own ways of being able to like look at art and form an interpretation and things like that. And he talks about when he was in school and, and things like that. I'm like, Oh, this is not that I thought that he wasn't, but it's just this proof that, he had a life before this where he was in school and just kind of living a childhood type of thing. Um, But then also I love how that's balanced with him looking at this piece of art and, you know, there's lots of different ways to interpret it depending on, because the, the, the art doesn't say this is Germans attacking Russians. Like it doesn't say that it's kind of, it, it could be interpreted in lots of different ways. But the fact that that is the lens through which he is looking at this art piece and interprets it in such a specific way of, no, that's a German and these are Germans attacking these people and my people and da da da. And I feel like, because he's looking at the art with Galtsev right next to him and Galtsev's kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, he seems a little bit shocked by the the very violent ways that Ivan is talking about this this painting. And um, yeah, I just find it to be a very, very uh, interesting moment in the film where it's like we're not talking about war specifically in terms of like strategy or fighting or we're not out dealing with bombs or whatever, but it shows that even when we're just looking at a piece of art, it war is so much on the forefront of this child's mind that it's his automatic interpretation of this thing. Yeah. Well, and going along with that, right after that, he looks at a picture of, um, I'm actually not sure who it's supposed to be, but Galtsev says it's a German writer. And um, Ivan says, no, that's impossible. The German don't have any writers. And his basis mm-hmm. for that is I saw them burning all of these books in the, yep. the, the town square. And um, and then Galtsev's response is like, well, he lived 400 years ago. And so Ivan's like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, the, that whole scene just, it really made me think about like the origins of hatred and pre- prejudice from one group to another where, you know, obviously he has all of this hatred against the the Germans for these very, you know, understandable and justified reasons because of these horrible things that they've done. But it also made me think, you know, if if Ivan had lived, um, if he'd grown up, you know, Galtsev has, even though he's still very young, he's had more life before the war than Ivan has. You know, he has some context for Germany as a nation and the Germans as people apart from 
the Nazis and, and what they've um, what they've done. But Ivan doesn't. For him, the entirety of Germany and the German people is just the, the Nazis and what they've done. You know, he's it's just what's happened um, to his country within the last few years. And so, if he had lived, if you know, what would it have t- taken for him to, you know, after the war, after the Nazis had been defeated, what would it have it take for him to be able to find a way to accept um, the German people in in a different context to finally find some forgiveness for that nation and an ability to kind of live with the the post war reality. I I don't know. It's like the you know a, as a child your your worldview view is so shaped by these things these devastating things and the the um, impressions that you have of people groups and um if that's not necessarily the whole of the the truth then it can be very difficult to um find a way to accept a a larger truth or or more more context for what you're experiencing yeah i think i think it's interesting because you know in, in the question that i think that movie in the in that question that i think this movie is asking in terms of like you know in my opinion, like what is what would Ivan's future look like if this were were to end and and he were to survive? Where would he end up? And I think it's interesting because on the one hand we have these interpretations where he's looking at art and him talking about like I don't want to go to school, I want to go back and fight, and all of these things. Like we also have these dream sequences of what's going on in his subconscious that he's not willing to say out loud that makes it yeah. in my or that opinion he can't like he physically doesn't know how to express or to process yeah yeah like it it communicates that he's not his future is not set in stone like it's not like he's a hopeless child there is still a possibility for him to come out of this and have a, not a normal life but but there's still there's still human in him there's still a child in him because we have these reflections with his mom where you know the, like the opening quote that I used for this movie which is um I forget specifically what it was but it's like you can even see a star on the brightest day you know and and we have these visions of him you know in a little cart with with a friend of his seemingly from his prior to the war and there's apples and you know and there's horses and trees and you know and obviously we'll get to the end at some point but with him running on water and and all of this stuff but so I think it it makes this interesting argument or not argument but it shows that there's these two different sides to Ivan part of him is just this this child who's been so trained by war and that's this is all he's ever known that he's almost been brainwashed to just have this war mentality, revenge mentality, evil, not that he's evil, but seeing evil around him sort of mentality and fighting for your life and things like that. Yeah, well, a mentality that's shaped by hatred and um, like vengeance, uh, albeit, you know, understandable, justifiable, you know, desire for vengeance. Yeah. So we have that, just that dichotomy of him feeling that way, but then also having these other sequences that we see where it's like, okay, but he also has a, a, a child in him too. And not just the the beautiful dreams and visions that he has, but we also see that he feels the grief too, because we have these one specific sequence where he's like 
ringing this bell in the basement and then we hear screaming and and bombs going off and then he sees this writing on the wall of these people that were you know about to die and and he starts crying you know and and it's like he he has this rough and tough exterior because he has to in order to survive but on the inside not only does he reflect on the beauty that could exist in the world and did exist at one point but also this reality that like oh I'm actually really sad and upset and uh, like just emotionally repressed and really strongly affected by what's happened to me and what's happened to the people around me um yeah it's just a really I I just this movie is so well crafted in terms of showing the very different aspects of how war can affect people specifically a child yeah absolutely and I, I kept thinking throughout it you know what would have happened to Ivan if he had if they had been successful in sending him off to either a boarding school or um, military school and keeping him there and he hadn't run away the way he did at least once before and that he threatened to do if they'd sent him off, um, would he have been, would there have been some possibility of him being able to find love in those places and be able to to heal psychologically from what he's experienced or would him being there and cut off from his one sort of single-minded revenge-seeking purpose have just also led to ruin. I I don't know. I mean, there's this sort of tragic inevitability to Ivan's story. It's like war has triggered the series events that leads to this child's death because it's like they they keep trying to keep him safe. They keep trying to send him away, and he just refuses. And it's because of these things that he's experienced and the way he's processed them. He's like, there's nothing the only thing that I exist for is to be participating in this war so that I can find some sort of vengeance for my family. And yeah, there's, it's just, it's just so tragic that, you know, the, it's like he, he could do no, no other than to have the ending that he has. Yeah. And we do get a little bit of a glimpse of what his future might've been. We have this conversation between, um, Galtsev and and Colin when Colin basically tells him he's like yeah you know when this is all over uh Katasnov or however you say his name he was planning to uh to adopt Ivan you know and it's like okay well what would that have looked like and I just this movie gives so much foreshadowing for what a future could potentially look like in my opinion I think it does that in lots of ways whether it's a positive future or a negative future or whatever I feel like this movie gives the idea of like there is a future of school or adoption or whatever whatever and then the ending is just like I don't want to talk about the ending yet I I want to get there later but it's just the ending is just so brutal like it really is I think it's it's true to real life you know it but it's it's just really hard to really hard to digest. (laughs) So yeah. Um, actually I have a question for you. So I, um, I've seen this movie a couple times now. I'm still a little bit confused. Maybe you picked up on it. The ending part where Galtsev and Colin decide to take Ivan, where are they taking him? Like, are they taking him back to the German lines to continue being a spy? Like, I don't know where they're taking him. (laughs) I believe so. Yeah, I think they're they're taking him across the I don't know what kind of body of water that is, but I think it's back to German occupied territory so okay. that he can 
kind of I I think kind of continue the work that he had been doing. Okay, gotcha. I wasn't entirely sure if that was actually. Yeah, I don't. Doing. I don't know that they're really that specific about it, and yeah. they don't really need to be. Like you know, it's just kind of this is a war. He's going back into danger. That's yeah. kind of what you need to know. Yeah. I, I assumed I was like, I just wasn't sure if they like explicitly stated it. I was like, I missed it. Um, but yeah, so I kind of wanted to go into a little bit of d- like, so we've talked a lot about Ivan. I want to talk specifically about Colin, specifically about Galtsev and specifically about Masha. So let's, let's start with Galtsev and then, cause I feel like Colin and Masha might like mix into each other a little bit, but also Galtsev mixes into that as well. Yeah, there's um, sort of a, l- love is too strong a word, but uh, yeah. there's an interest triangle going on there. Yes. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that interest is reciprocated by Masha to either of those men, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, we, we, yeah we, I'm actually interested to to talk about that because I'm, I'm very curious, but yeah. Yeah, let's, so. Let's start with Galtsev. Yeah, let's start with Galtsev. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we spoke a little bit about him already, just in the sense that he is very young and um, he has this very, he's very empathetic. You know, he has this sort of um, big brotherly attachment that he forms to Ivan very quickly. Um, as I mean, uh, all the the main soldiers who are main characters in the movie do. Um but he does, um, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it seems weird to say I like his character because, like, I like pretty much all the characters in this movie, even if some of them are more flawed or complicated characters than others. Um, but, yeah, he, he is very empathetic. He's kind of curious about Ivan. He seems to understand how to, um, after the beginning when he's, you know, he's sort of like, oh, I'm I'm the adult. You're the child. Like, I don't know what you're talking about stop telling me to call HQ. That doesn't make any sense. Once he understands who Ivan is and what his story is and what his, the work that he's been doing, he seems to kind of understand how to relate to Ivan. Um, He spends a lot of time with him. I mean, the, the scene that we were just talking about where Ivan is looking at these art prints is between the two of them where um, Galtsev has a stack of magazines that he was going to give to Ivan to pass the time and Ivan's like no I've read all of those already I spent three days doing nothing but reading Mm -hmm. yeah and so he starts starts showing him art instead and um yeah you do see the the beginnings of what could have been a really you know tender attachment you could you could easily see you know if um no one else had been available after the war you could see him taking care of stepping in and taking care of ivan instead although that is ultimately what's not going to happen but i do find it interesting that in a sense even though ivan's head is the sort of subjective um uh perspective that we're in for much of it you know we're we're seeing ivan as he's kind of experiencing these nightmares and these flashbacks and these um remembrances of his life before the war um Galtsev is the character that's left alive at the end of the movie. So mm, he's yeah. kind of the, um, he's almost the framework character. Like he's also a pers- uh, perspective, you know, POV character in mm-hmm. this movie. Because um, he is the one who sees what ultimately happens to Ivan. Um, and yeah, and you see at the end of the movie that they've added these scars to his face. And so... Mm-hmm. 
you know, we don't know. I'm not really, I don't think they ever say what year it is that we pick up, you know, and we have, we're seeing Ivan's story. I don't know how much longer is left in the war. So I don't know how much time separates the ending from the bulk of the story. But he has had to grow up very quickly in the same way that Ivan has. And he ultimately survives, but he's left very scarred. And he's, you know, he's seen what has happened to not just Ivan, but presumably by that point, many other people in, in similar positions. And so you you are left with that sense of, you know, there are people who are left alive by the end of the movie, but have these deep, deep scars, not just physical, but also mental and spiritual and, you know, s scars in their psyche and um, this real loss of innocence that's um, mirrored by what has happened to Ivan. And so he's going to have to process that and live with that for the rest of his life. Yeah, I I feel like Galtsev, from my perspective, is the only person that I'm seeing in this movie that is very honest, not necessarily with others, but like very honest with himself about how he's feeling. Uh, Cause I feel like Ivan is very clearly super conflicted about how he feels. If, if he even knows how he feels, then we have Colin who's kind of a little bit all over the place. Sometimes he can be kind of like the hard, Oh yeah, I'm this guy. And then other times he's like, Oh my gosh, Ivan, so good to see you kissing him on the cheek. And then another moment he's like, I'm a sexual predator. You know, he's kind of all over the place. Whereas Galtsev is kind of, I'm me. And I'm just here because I have to be here and I'm going to step up and do my job the way that I need to. But at the end of the day, I'm still me and I know who I am. And I think that it's really cool to have, again, all these different perspectives, but his personality and his perspective is just something where, you know, we see him being open to actual like an actual relationship with Masha. Like I could see him falling in love with her. I could see him having a friendship with Ivan in real life, I could see him doing all of these things. And I just, I really like to see, I mean, not that I don't like to see the other people because all of their experiences are just as valid and justified <laughs> given what they've been through. But it's just cool to see a character who's in this type of environment who doesn't seem to have fully lost his sense of self. He seems very in touch with who he is, how he's feeling, what's going on. Um, maybe he's a bit naive. It does seem like he's still learning certain things. Colin tells him things. He's like, oh, that, you know, oh, wow, Ivan's parents are dead. That's really awful. Like, I didn't, you know, so maybe he's very green. I don't know. Um, but I just, I really like his perspective in the story and his addition of this person who still seems to feel very himself and very in touch with who he is and not. N not ashamed about it. He doesn't seem to be this guy who's like, oh, I'm going to hide it from everyone else because I don't I want everyone else to think I'm tough. No, he's like, I can be tough when I need to be and then I can be in love when I need to be and I can be gentle when I need to be and I can sign up to go across the river with Colin and Ivan when I need to like, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I just I really I really like having his character in this film. There's so many great characters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of his um, his sort of kind of quasi flirtation with Masha, was a, which is a really sweet kind of um, you know small small section uh, part of the movie. Like it seems like 
you know, he and Masha, to me, read as being a very similar age. Like they both seem late, tw- late teens, early 20s thrust into these positions of, um, I mean, Masha doesn't really have power, but, you know, some responsibility um, and, and this important role. And he seems to have a little crush on her, although he's, you know, he seems to be too professional to act on it. Um, she might be interested in in him. It's kind of hard to read. Um, but they, um, after Masha is, you know, attracts the predatory interest of Colin, Galtsev makes the decision to transfer her away, um, which I think is a really interesting decision because it it does read to me, I, I think the way I interpret it, that is, you know, being kind or be, or being protective, I guess I should say, is like, even though I'm kind of interested in this girl, like, I, I want to make sure that she's in a position where she's not having to deal with that. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to send her somewhere else. Um, I think he transfers her to a hospital. To a hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where presumably there will, it'll be less kind of on the front lines and, and less isolated, I guess. Um but, I yeah. think less male dominated too. Yeah, very possibly. Yeah, maybe more more people around her who would be in in a position to kind of protect her or serve as a buffer for her and and any danger of that kind of nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I loved that that gesture of him just recognizing. Yeah, I'm I'm transferring you out of here. Like, and it seems like Masha, when she finds that out, she actually comes down into that little bunker or whatever it is to thank Galtsev. But then she sees that Colin's there, and Colin starts to do his advances again. And she's like, "Okay, uh, I guess my presence here was my way of saying thank you. I'm gonna leave now because <laughs> she doesn't really get an opportunity to really speak." Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's seemingly she's grateful for what he's done. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, since we're on, on Masha, I'm very curious. Um, the, there's that scene where she is, um, she's near some trucks that are loading up with soldiers. I can't tell mm-hmm. if maybe she's going to eventually get on one of those trucks. She meets this old friend of hers, mm-hmm. but she's distracted from actually greeting him by seeing Colin and Gal- Galtsev and I think, um, Katasanov all going off into the forest and after they leave she has she gets this like smile on her face like she looks kind of excited or or freed or or happy about something kind of for the first time that since we've seen her so I'm curious is that because do you think that's because she knows she's going to be transferred out and she won't have to deal with that situation before do you think it's because um because of something else. I don't know. I I was very curious about how to interpret that look on her face in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's entirely open to interpretation. I don't think it's very clearly stating it's a reaction to this, but my interpretation was it was a response to um, her, her high school or Call. I'm assuming high school because they don't look old enough for college. I think they I don't said know maybe what school like, was like in the Soviet I, Union yeah. back then. <laughs> they said it was like I, th- I feel like they said it was like college entrance examinations that they had yes. taken them at the same uh-huh. time, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I figured it was a reaction to that, just in terms of I I, I like your your thought that she didn't interact with him because she saw Galtsev and Colin walking by. Because my thought was. She wasn't talking to him because she was like, I don't really know who you are. Clearly, you know who I am, but I don't really recognize 
trust you. And so, uh, okay, you know. Um, so I find that I find your point to be interesting. Uh, I'd love uh, to. Yeah, that's how it. That's what it looked like. Just the way it was staged, like when they walked by and when she got distracted. That's what it looked like to yeah. me. But I wasn't sure if it was like you know she's seeing Galtsev go off and she's kind of into him, and so she's. Um, or maybe she's seen Colin go off and thinking maybe he'll get <laughs> killed. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I was. I feel like there are a couple different ways that you can interpret that look on her face. And I was very curious what your thoughts were. Yeah. So I, I would like to go back and watch that scene with, with your interpretation in mind. But with the interpretation that I had of her just thinking, you know, you're just some guy from school and I don't really know who you are. I just took it as something where she was thankful to be reminded of a normal life when there was a guy who could just be interested in her in a genuine way of like oh hey we took tests like let's hang out later (laughs) you know I just took it as her being just um happy at a reminder that there are like that type of life did exist and maybe it could be possible again because here's this guy reminding me that there are men that like this that exist Mm, I really um, like that. I, yeah, I like that a lot. I'd love to, I also want to rewatch the scene. Um, I feel like, I don't know if this is coming from the actress or if it's coming from Tarkovsky or whatever, which now I guess we're diving fully into Masha, but I find her acting to be very interesting because all of the sequences that we see her in, I can't really figure her out because even in the scene with Colin, I'm like, Sometimes it seems like you're playing along. Sometimes it seems like you like it, but clearly you don't because you can't get away. Her yeah, I mean, there, choices... there were definitely moments where I was like, does she have a sort of Stockholm syndrome like crush on Colin now because of what happened? But I, I don't think that's it. But there are just little moments that would make me wonder that. I don't know. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I, I, I find her choices to be very interesting. And I wonder if Tarkovsky directed her in that way specifically to be like, I want to show the complications of the types of emotions that you can have during this time or, or I, I, I yeah, I just can't figure it out. Cause in my mind, I'm like, if I were directing this movie, which I very clearly am not and could never direct a movie like this. But if I were directing this movie, I would be like, I want Masha to be projecting that, she like what is happening to her she has no say in like she is she's a victim like all of these things but I feel like this movie doesn't go 100% in on that like she is obviously a victim of her environment and what's happening to her is entirely not within her control she doesn't like it whatever and I feel like the movie is not as black and white in that as I personally would personally would like um so I just find that to be a very interesting choice. I think at the end of the day, the message is communicated that she's not welcoming this behavior. She doesn't want to be treated this way by Colin. Like, that is what I take away from it. But it's not as clear and concrete as I personally would like. And I just find that to be really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it's also true to just how complicated those sorts of situations and dynamics can be sometimes where you're like, I don't really know how to judge this situation. And so I'm trying to act very carefully in order to keep myself safe while also not, you know, potentially angering or alienating this person because I I don't know what Mm -hmm. their intentions are. So 
you know, I'm trying to play along and be as friendly as I can while also trying to keep a, a distance and not, you know, seem like I'm encouraging any sort of overstepping. Mm-hmm. And that can, I think, kind of lead to a sort of, it, it can be a little bit difficult to, um, you know, as a viewer to, to get inside because, you know, she has this very flat affect, um, which I think is part of the, because of the specific situation, but also probably just because of, you know, she's a also, you know, working in this war and she's seen untold horrors. And so it's not surprising that she would be kind of, um, you know, she's probably traumatized the way all of them are to, to some extent or another. Um, and so I think it can be hard then to, to read exactly what she's thinking at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the kind of the, the nuance of her, of her as a character and not nuance, but just like how she, it's kind of unclear or fully clear. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. Um, it's not fully obvious where she's at in terms of this all the time. I feel like it's just Tarkovsky kind of honing in even more so on that idea of war is complex. People are, they're in scenarios they otherwise would not choose to be in and emotions are kind of all over the place and people are doing what they need to to survive and it just creates a lot of complexity within them. Um, And so, yeah, he's communicating that within Masha as well. Um, So I... One last thing about Masha, I do not have an answer to this. It's something where I was watching this movie and I was thinking, if I had to watch this for a film class and write a paper on it, I would do so much research on this in order to have an informed opinion on this, like a history, you know, dive into this and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't do that. So I don't have any thoughts on this. It's just a genuine question. Do you have any interpretation of... um? the song that they play on the record player that has Masha, the name Masha in it several times. I didn't, I didn't write down the lyrics of the song. I don't fully remember what they were, but. Are you sure it's the name Masha and not just some Russian words that kind of sounds? The subtitle said Masha, like the name Masha. Yeah. The the version version I watched did not specify anything about what the song was called or what the lyrics were. Yeah, because the version I watched, it had all of the all of the lyrics were translated. And it, oh, interesting. Okay, well, so, so what were the lyrics then? I don't remember. <laughs> I can I can because I was very curious about that song. But um, yeah, the version I watched, they just play this song, and um, so I was trying to interpret what genre it could be. Like it sounded like some sort of maybe national song, but yeah, I, I but yeah, that's like I'm no saying. Like if I were to do this for a thing I would you know research what where is this song from is it real was it made up for the movie what does it say <laughs> you know but I can't I even just googled like the lyrics and I can't even find them anywhere I should have written them down I didn't do it oh well I just found something saying that the title of it is called Masha is not allowed beyond the river but I don't find I don't see anything about the lyrics the full lyrics well that that makes it sound like some sort of a folk song which I don't know sounds- Anyway, unfortunately, I guess we have to move on from that question. So, yeah, let's so let's talk about Colin a little bit. Um, do you have any specific thoughts about him that you want to kind of start off with? 
Yeah, I find him to be such a fascinating character. Probably, I mean, the most fascinating to me of all the the Soviet soldiers, um, because he is such a complicated person. Where you see him in this one, as as we were just saying, you know, you see him in this context of his, um, you know, the way he is so predatory toward Masha, um, and does not seem to be, you know really paying attention to or caring the fact that she is holding him at a distance but you also see him being so loving and tender toward Ivan Mm -hmm. um and there's I think this very revealing thing that he says later in the movie when Galtsev asks you know um because he hears that uh Katasanov or the the colonel would adopt Ivan if um if they could at the end of the war and he asks Colin would you adopt him if if they were killed and he says um, I forget the exact wording of his, but he's basically like, I've been told I need to, I can't even admit, like, I need help managing myself, like, let the alone The exact line is that Katasanov, he goes, Katasanov has told me that I need some bringing up myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which I think is very revealing about his character. Both it's true of him, but also very interesting. The fact that he knows this <laughs> about himself, that he's... He is, there's a lot of immaturity there. He is not fully adult himself, even though he is um, older than Galtsev is. And um, he seems, he's a very experienced and skilled soldier. But as a person, as a human being, um, there seems to be a lot that he needs to learn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, and you get the sense that like, or at least I get the sense that like, you know, He's not a wholly bad man, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a complicated person. He's a person who is um capable of great goodness and kindness in one context and seem very selfish and unaware in another context and um that's just a very human quality to have and it's like the the context of war is that thing where it kind of brings out the extremes, you know. It mm-hmm. gives you the opportunities to practice these great acts of bravery and um ingenuity and um to do these really extreme um missions and and run into people you wouldn't normally run into but it also gives opportunity for you to practice you know you're kind of isolated into practice power that's not constrained in certain situations and so you see that coming out um at least to a um to a, a slighter extent in colon. Yeah, I, and this is not at all me saying this as an excuse because 100% it is not. But I do get the sense that colon as a person would not make inappropriate sexual advances towards a woman, period, especially a woman of this age, had he not been in a sort of environment like this. And again, that is not not an excuse at all for his behavior, but kind of going along with the themes of this movie or the general tone of it, which is nothing in this movie is fully black and white. So much of it is just the complexity of human experience in these war circumstances and look at the horrible ways it can affect people and what it can do to them. And I feel like this is a really good example of that because he is a good guy more or less who just is mentally young in lots of ways and needs some bringing up you know 
but he's put into these situations where he's where he shouldn't be and because of the responsibility that maybe he's not ready to carry he just it it brings about characteristics within himself that I feel like I mean we know he doesn't survive this but if he had survived it I feel like he would regret a lot you know like he wouldn't look back on it he would look back on it and recognize that was a mistake I shouldn't have done that um but yeah I I like how we see that play out specifically within the character of Colin yeah yeah I I get the sense that a lot of his decision to kind of flirt (laughs) one-sidedly and and pursue Masha is just boredom you know there's Mm, no other mm -hmm. woman around Mm -hmm. and here's this pretty girl and I'm gonna you know flirt with her and try and see if I can get her to kiss me because I just have nothing else to do you know which does not to be clear make it okay but um you know it's it's again that sort of situation that allows for um personality flaws to be amplified and brought out in a way that they wouldn't be in in other situations yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty common and widely known that in war circumstances, these types of behaviors do happen. And I think that this movie does a good job of not 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 defending it or saying like this is okay, but it does I think a good job of showing how this is one example of why this might happen in these types of in these sorts of scenarios like not defending it, but it's like, these are the types of things that could lead to this happening. And this is why these types of behaviors are common in these types of scenarios. And going back to Tarkovsky, kind of being quoted as saying, I want this movie to communicate why I hate war, <laughs> you know, and that's, this is kind of his argument of like, look at what this does to people. And it happens over and over and over again. I hate this. <laughs> like, this is not a good thing. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about the visuals of that scene, but, but not yet. We'll we'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, so I guess I just want to talk about, um, a few final things and then we'll talk about the visuals. So, um, I had a question again, this is something where I was watching it and I was like, if I was in film class and I was writing an essay on this film, I would go all in on this and whatever. But for our purposes, I was like, I just wrote down that this is something that happened and I didn't really analyze it or think about it very much. Um, But do you have any thoughts on just the sounds in this movie? Because we have so many sounds of like the room is quiet, but we hear dripping water. There's so much dripping water. There's a lot of the scene in the forest. It sounds like almost woodpeckers or something. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it's a really wonderful Uh, like sound detail in that scene yeah so do you have any particular thoughts on like these sounds that are used and maybe what it might mean or why they're used or did they not really I mean it sounds like the potentially maybe woodpecker sound in in the in the forest scene stood out to you but were there any other ones that stood out to you throughout the movie um well I I have to admit I watched it in a room with the air conditioner on so the the water dripping I I missed a little bit oh no okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry but the woodpecker scenes yeah very much stood out to me for that scene at least um it I think it works so well for me because it's it's a sound that is kind of natural. It sounds very 
wooden in the sense that it's like it sounds like something banging against wood and so it's appropriate for the the natural forest setting that they're in but it sounds incredibly threatening and it just sort of emphasizes the silence and the isolation of the situation which is so important for establishing the you know this very predatory threatening conversation that's happening between as Masha's sort of keeping Colin at a distance and Colin is trying to get closer to her and she's kind of trying to find ways to keep a distance between them like it just it works so well in establishing the the dynamics of what's going on and the sort of what danger of what could happen it doesn't go as you know end up being quite as dangerous as or go as far as it could but there the potential is there and i think the sound really helps to establish that yeah i um you know what let's let's Looking at my notes here, let, let's go ahead and dive into that whole sequence. Yeah, let's um, do it. Let's do it. I remember, <laughs> as I mentioned, Tatum has been raving about Tarkovsky to me for years. Yes. I s- remember that when you first saw this movie, you took that one specific scene, and pulled it up on YouTube and had me watch it. And I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just blown away. And so when we got to that scene, I was very excited. Yeah. Um, it's one of yeah. the best in my opinion, from what I've personally seen, it's one of the best use like uses of black and white to your advantage. The fact that they chose that forest with those trees and that wardrobe in that like I'm like this is using black and white picture to mm-hmm. its absolute maximum capacity of beauty. It's incredible. Yeah. I don't I know mean, this, who this- the location who the locations manager is who found this location but it's amazing yeah this setting so they're in this they look to me like birch trees but i'm not a a tree expert so i might be getting it (laughs) wrong but they're these tall very thin um like you can't see the leaves at all there's like no lower branches it's just these tall columns that are kind of white and well gray presumably brown if it was in in color and it looks and it like just there's looks millions of them so like there's so many, many so many and they're all just tall and thin and there's no leaves it's just these stripes and it's just like i've never seen a location like this on film before like maybe this is a familiar site if you're russian and you're more familiar with russian geography than i am but for me as an american it just looks like this alien landscape it's so eerie it's just yeah, nothing. I've never seen something like that before. And it's so perfect for these characters as they're kind of wandering around and you're disoriented because it's just the same tree stretching out in all directions. And it's just the two of them kind of wandering through these um, these columns of wood that are, are separating them or framing them. And yeah, it's it's so beautiful and so, so eerie. And I love to... Not only is the setting itself and the location beautiful, the way that the camera moves and captures it amplifies it even more because we have these beautiful tracking shots of the camera just slowly moving and following these faces and and Masha's feet walking down this tree trunk and watching her as she's walking up and up and up and up and then walking down and down and down. It's just the way that the camera moves and then obviously we have the this is probably one of Tarkovsky's most 
iconic like screen grabs I watch this movie and I think of the title of that YouTube channel every frame of painting so I'm like this is literally like the definition of that but there are like like 20 frames so many in this 20 shots in this movie where you could you know you know you could screen grab it and print it out and hang it on your wall as a painting and it would just be just devastatingly gorgeous and interesting to look at yeah but so Tarkovsky's like arguably one of his most iconic and notable ones is the shot over the trench when Colin is holding Masha and she's hanging like a limp doll and they basically just look like silhouettes of black and they've got these white trees behind them and this like dark trench underneath them and the way the camera kind of follows them there and then drops down below them as we're looking looking at them from below it's just, these are the types of things, I mean, I love Tarkovsky for lots of reasons. I love his stories and things like that, but sometimes he does things with the visuals and with the camera, and I'm like, this is, it's just, I've never seen anything like this. It's so beautiful, but it's also horrifying because what we're seeing is, you know, the 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 way in which she just completely falls limp when he holds her like that is so unsettling to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this poor child, like someone, uh, like so, (laughs) ah, you know? And I'm sure, again, like I haven't thought too deeply about this. Maybe I should have since I've seen this movie several times, but like I'm sure there's some sort of meaning as to why they're over a trench at that point. And like, if she lets go, will she fall into some sort of destruction? You know, there's lots of different ways you could maybe analyze that, but just well, that shot is like, so like, not just the shot itself, but how we get there, how the camera mm-hmm. moves for us to get there is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, and the way he stands astride it with one foot on either side and it's like, to me, it almost read like this is a grave that has been dug. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, it looks like he is holding her to keep her out or to pull her out of this grave, which is like, you know, kind of symbolically makes sense for what he's doing in the scene in the sense of like he is reaching out for this human connection in the midst of all of this devastation and trauma and violence. You know, he's trying to have a moment with another human being. He's doing it in the wrong way and, you know, it's it's kind of inflicting another form of trauma, but it is this moment of kind of this person trying to reach out to this other person and um, I guess sort of delay the inevitable in a sense. You know, they're, they're all kind of eventually in one way or another going to end up in that grave and this is his moment to try and try and keep himself out of it for a way in in a way um you know in a in a wrong way Mm -hmm. yeah I yeah I just I I don't even know how to talk about this sequence I, I I would just say if anyone listening to this has not seen a Tarkovsky movie and has not seen this film if you have no interest in watching Tarkovsky movies ever which I would recommend you watching them. But if you don't have any intention of watching his movies, look up this scene on YouTube and watch it. It is absolutely one of the most beautiful and stunning um, just sequences to ever be captured on screen. It's incredible. One little moment, uh, actually, since we were talking about Colin, but um, 
this just occurred to me that we haven't mentioned is um so there's a, a third soldier that we see a lot of the Katasanov that we haven't talked a whole lot about. I don't have a whole lot to say on him specifically, but there is this um moment toward the end as um Colin and Galtsev are preparing to go out on their mission and they've gone out with Katasanov to like check out the boats and they come back. But Katasanov is not with them, and Ivan keeps asking, "Where is he? I, you know, he was going to say goodbye to me before I left. Like, what kind of a friend is he? Where is he?" And Colin keeps reassuring him that Katasanov was um, summoned to HQ, mm-hmm. and that it was really urgent. He couldn't get back. Um, everything's fine. He's just, you know, he has to go talk to the commanders. But then, as they go out on their mission, Galtsev, separately from the others, discovers that Katasanov was actually shot, and Colin has been lying about this to protect Ivan basically from having to deal with the grief of another of his friends having been killed. Um, and again, that's just that, that complication with Colin that he, he does have, you know, he has these moments of great human empathy and kindness, um, even amidst the other, you know, bad things that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, Sorry, we we just like quickly moved on. I just want to make sure there's nothing else that I want to say about that forest sequence. Sure. Um, I don't know because I, I I feel like in my heart of hearts, I feel like we talked a lot in that sequence about Colin and not enough about Masha. And I feel like we should talk more about Masha and that. Well, we did talk about Masha in the sense of like you I just were don't saying want it, it to was, come across as like oh she was leading him on or anything no, like that. No, I just no. want to make sure we're that's not what we're communicating no well um, we had that conversation about like you know how it's kind of hard to read her during that scene specifically and I, I think that's in large part because of the kind of the danger that she's in and so her desire to act in this very flat way that is kind of um not going to provoke anger but also going to try and keep at a distance you know that as a woman you know i think we all kind of have the have been in those situations where it's like i need to be very careful with how i respond to this because Mm -hmm. i don't want to seem i don't want to make them angry and um because i i don't know what they're capable of you know i just i just don't know yeah this is a a strange person and so i need to make sure that i'm not seeming they're not going to think that i'm like cold or a bitch or you know, get angry at me because of that. But I also want because, to try and keep my distance. Because, you know, in this type of scenario, maybe if she had been a little bit more resistant, you know, it could have been that situation of Colin being like, ooh, I like him, you know. Yeah, like I like a chase. Well, like, me, you're like, feisty, whatever. It's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, provoked is the wrong word because obviously she's not doing anything but like that could lead to you know violence being used um you know again she doesn't know what his character is she doesn't know what he's capable of i mean we as an audience don't know what he would be capable of mm-hmm. um i don't think so, he even knows what he would be capable of he like he's just yeah doing the thing and mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think he's just following his own like sexual desires like that's that is his brain at that moment and he's not even really thinking I feel like and that's when it gets dangerous you know Mm -hmm. and that's I I know I keep coming back to this but out of this whole sequence I think the thing that really impacts me the most is just how 
limp she becomes when he's holding mm-hmm. her. Like I, it's yeah, such she, a, there is no reciprocation from her no. whatsoever. She's just letting it happen and waiting for it to be over. It is. And that is just so, um, devastating, but also like, that's just, it's so real, you yeah. know, it's so human. It's so, you know, these sort of things happen every day. Yeah. It's one of the most upsetting yet pro- like accurate depictions of what that sort of experience can be like of just being like I don't want to be here I'm not participating in this at all but it's happening to me like it's such a such an honest like there's no way to look at that the way that it's shot there's no way to look at that and say she wants this at all 100% it is like there's nothing she can do except wait for it to be over and it's Mm -hmm. Man, it's just, it's, it's really, yeah, I think that that is, like I said, one of Tarkovsky's most known, like, screen grabs of his films for a reason. Not just because it looks beautiful, which in and of itself is disturbing to have something of that storyline look so beautiful, but also Mm -hmm. because of what it represents and what it means. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we kind of really solidified like like our our feelings on that on that moment specifically um because yeah it's it's rough <laughs> but also that scene is mate like it's just man it is a master class of of filmmaking that sequence man it's it's wild and then you know it ends because we see Galtsev running out there because he sees them go into the forest initially and you can tell that he's kind of thinking oh oh I know where this is going type of thing and then I don't know why he waits so long to go <laughs> to go after them, but eventually he kind of wakes up and and runs into the forest to find her. Um, and actually, I don't know if he ends it. I think it I ends before he gets there. Yeah, I don't bumps, remember the exact. I think he bumps into Colin as Colin is walking back or something yeah. like that. I think that's right, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the exact sequence of events toward the end that leads Galtsev to kind of intercept them afterwards um but you can tell that he you know he picks up on he doesn't know exactly what happened but he picks up on the fact that something happened and masha did not want it and you know and he's his his sort of dynamic toward colon for the rest of the movie then is really interesting because you Mm -hmm. can tell that like he is very suspicious of him and he knows that there is something not right about him and um but at the same time he is Colin is a good soldier and as we said you know he is um capable of understanding and and kindness in other ways and so yeah I think we're we're kind of seeing Colin for the rest of the movie through Galtsev's eyes it's like this is a very complicated person and I need to keep my eye on him um but you know there's there are many things going on <laughs> going on yeah. there we do have that sequence, too, where after Colin says, you know, I was told that I need bringing up myself, Galtsev calls him out on that at one point. He's like, yeah, you do actually need bringing up. I don't remember what sequence of events leads him to having that outburst. Is that while they're in the swamp? Yeah, it's something about the boats, the, like in the swamp. I don't remember specifically what the oh, event is. yes. But mm-hmm. Galtsev basically goes after him and he's like, yeah, you know, Katasnov was right all along you act like you need bringing up like what's wrong with you um and so yeah um 
anyway, so I guess kind of moving towards the end here, I want to kind of talk about um, just our our thoughts on the on the final scene, which is, you know, we get to the end and we have I don't know if it's actual historical footage. But we see that Goebbels has been killed and oh my gosh, it was, I I actually forgot about this sequence in the movie until I watched it this time. I totally forgot about it. And I thought it was really, really interesting from Tarkovsky to show Goebbels as well as another German leader or whatever, not only did they die, but they killed their family with them. They like gave their children poison or they shot their family and then shot themselves and it was another depiction of, you know, the 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 terrible effects that war can have on people where innocent people are killed and guilty people have the power. And so the whole movie, we see the Soviet side of things. Then we get this little blip of information of the German side at the end after the war is ended. You know, it's like, well, just because the war is over doesn't mean that these tragedies don't matter. And so... I thought it was a really interesting choice by Tarkovsky to include that sequence where it's not just like, oh, we win, Germany's defeated. It's like, no, let's hone in on these actual experiences of names of people that we know and not just them, but their families and how their families suffered because of this too. Um, And I totally forgot about that. And I was watching it. I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, this is intense. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but if not, we can just go ahead and, and move forward. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you said it well. It's just this, the the devastating impact that this has on children, on, on the the innocent civilians within war, but then also the, the innocent casualties of these high-ranking Nazi leaders, like they, the fact that they would murder their own children in order to get away with what they escape the consequences for what they've done yeah it just kind of contributes to the larger themes of the movie yeah and it's like the people who have the most power are not without consequence for what they've done like their actions do not like granted did they choose to kill themselves yes but their family members didn't and that's a tragedy in and of itself because I feel like there might be maybe some people might think like oh the higher up people they're the ones that are protected from this sort of thing it's like, no, even the higher ups and, and the people that are related to them aren't fully protected. Like there's there's catastrophic results from war, period, regardless of who you are. Um, and then from there, obviously, we get to the end where we find out that Ivan was beheaded by a guillotine. <laughs> um, I thought in my the version I watched, they said he was hanged. Oh, that's um, right. Then we just saw the but guillotine, which was interesting. We see the guillotine. We also see these, I don't know if they were nooses that were used for hanging because they seem very small and thin, but we see the 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 prison where Ivan and other prisoners were kept and were eventually executed as Galtsev. I think it's supposed to be in Germany after at mm-hmm. the end of the war, after the, the Soviet army has taken back Berlin um, and Galtsev is among the the soldiers who are sorting through what has been left behind all of these papers and files of all the people who have been executed and it's just completely by accident that he comes across the file um for ivan and sees the photograph and realizes who it is and who what happened to him yeah so we learn that ivan was executed 
Um, and then after we have that information, we have this final scene of I, whether it's a flashback, whether it's a dream sequence, whether it's a post-death, he's in heaven, like whatever it might be. We have this sequence of Ivan running with this young girl who's also his age, who we did see prior in the movie in another. Yeah, I think she's, I'm pretty sure that's his sister. Uh, oh, that who would also, make sense. Who they say was also killed by the That Nazis. would make sense. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we see him with this girl, most likely his sister. They're kind of running on the beach. They're laughing and all of these things. And then they start running on water. And then... Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a sandbar. So there's a very thin layer of water with sand underneath. But it does kind of look like they're running on water. I think it's supposed to look like they're running on water. I think it's supposed to be... A representation of them running on water. That's my own interpretation. <laughs> and you can but, you can put some symbolism, some Christ-like symbolism there. If you I'm want not to, saying he's Jesus, but I'm saying like <laughs> the concept of of running on water. I don't think is necessarily only exclusively related to Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we see we see them running, and in my interpretation running on water, and then. The camera, is, it starts out wide. We see him and his sister, and then it goes tighter, and we end up just seeing Ivan. And then seemingly, we get a little closer on him, and then we see this big tree come up in front of him. And that's the last shot of this movie, this big dead tree, and the camera moves into the tree until the screen goes to black. And so that's kind of our our ending to the film. I don't know if you have any specific interpretation on that um i think in my opinion it just seems to be a further example of you know this child was killed before he even had a chance to like really live out his life as a child and so it's kind of imagining what 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 could his life have looked like if war had not happened to him and his family um would they become jesus running (laughs) running on water um but it's just this this beautiful yet haunting reflection of the reality versus what could have been um I have no idea what the tree means at the end not a clue um but you know I yeah yeah well I mean in the in the beginning of the movie we see Ivan we first meet Ivan or or pretty early on we meet Ivan when he's going through a swamp in order to get to the Soviet camp and so to end the movie with him going through water kind of has this full circle effect to me where it's like, you know, he's running. He's At first he's running with his sister, but then his sister kind of falls away and it's just Ivan running alone. And it's like he is running into his tr- the tragedy of his future. Mm. And mm-hmm. for now he's, you know, every the sun is bright and he is happy and innocent and... um everything seems fine but there is this horrible tragedy this you know possibly symbolized by the dead tree Mm -hmm. you know that he is running toward and so eventually that run is going to end with him in the water and then eventually is going to end with him hanged Hmm. you know yeah i like that that makes sense I like that a lot. I mean, I don't like it at all, but yeah. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> again, like is a weird, terrible thing to, word to use in this situation. But yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense, though. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask. I wanted to make sure we created space for. Are there any specific 
visuals in this movie that you want to call out that really stuck out to you or that you were like, this is absolutely stunning and I want to make sure we mention it. I mean, obviously the whole movie is in, like just incredible to look at, but I wasn't sure if there was any, if there were any particular moments that you were like, that is a visual like shot that I want to just call out and mention. Sure. I mean, well, as I said before, there are like two dozen shots in this movie that you could print out and hang on your wall as like a gorgeous. One? Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's one of them. I looked on the Wikipedia page. It had a caption where it's like the, the sorry, Tatum just held up a picture of the cover, which has um, the two um, two figures in silhouette with the broken um, boards of a, a burnt out house all pointing toward them. And so it very much looks like kind of knives and spears pointing toward these people, um, which is what the Wikipedia caption said. Um, visuals, symbolism, it's good. Um, <laughs> one I really that's really stuck out for some reason is when we first meet that old man who mm. has kind of lost his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, uh, this one shot where the camera is placed behind a door that's kind of the door frame is almost entirely gone. The door is just fra- flapping in the breeze. And so on the left hand side of the screen, it's just kind of rocks. And on the right hand side of the screen, you can see the old man as he's kind of wandering around what re- the remains of his house. But the door keeps flapping in the breeze. And so it'll come and it'll obscure the old man and then it'll f- the breeze will push it open and you can see him again. I don't have any sort of analytical symbolic Mm -hmm. interpretation of it i just thought it was really beautiful yeah (laughs) um this is like partly visuals and also just partly the storytelling um but ivan's breakdown in the um in the sort of shelter base place uh while he's waiting for the soldiers to come back so they can go out on their mission i think is so well done visually and also just in in the way that it's scripted because it starts out with him he creates this sort of trap almost like a a home alone trap or something like that where he hoists this um this really heavy bell up into the air and he has this little knife and he's going to try and um make it so that if someone comes in he can hide across the room and throw his knife and cut the cut the rope and the bell will fall on the person and it starts out in this really like playful way you know Mm -hmm. like you can see like a little a little boy his age who should be playing you know able to to play and use his imagination and have fun like it it seems like a game to him but then as it goes on he um instead of cutting the rope when he throws the knife he puts out the light and then he's got his flashlight and all of a sudden he's like alone and scared and it's dark and he's seeing faces from every corner of victims that either were in killed there or that he knew he sees the um the writing on the wall of the um the children who were kept in that basement until they were shot and kind of scrawled the last message on the wall and at some point he he comes up to the um this like um jacket like just a military jacket that's hanging on the wall and he's speaking to it like it's a nazi soldier and the nazi soldier who killed his family and he's like telling them that he's going to kill them and he's crying and it's yeah, it is the the way that the darkness and the light is used, um, you know, in, in the black and white is just so gorgeous and it's just so frantic and terrifying. And um, and this this poor child, I mean, this child actor is incredible. Hmm. All the, the mm-hmm. acting in this movie in general is amazing. Like it, it can sometimes be hard to even remember when I'm watching a foreign film, like to compliment the acting because... Um, because they're not speaking English, there can be a little bit of a distance and you forget that like 
they are actors who are playing roles and it's not just the people on screen but yeah all the acting is is terrific but this is this child acting performance is incredible and i was like i hope that child actor was you know treated well on this set and <laughs> i hope that all of these tears are completely simulated i i yeah yeah it's it's really wonderful yeah and by I, wonderful i mean it's completely devastating yeah i i was going to call out both of those sequences as well i particularly the the sequence where ivan's kind of having that breakdown in that basement or whatever it is the way that tarkovsky is able to capture tears with the light that he uses is so amazing. I don't know if they put extra light on the eyes somehow or or whatever, but just the contrast of the super dark background and then the angle with which we look at him and how tight the camera is and where the light's coming from. It's just so, it's so masterful. And, you know, we've got some great sequences in here with mirrors where we're seeing things in reflection and beautiful shots of water. And, you know, it's just... The whole movie is beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the swamp that he wades through, like you get such a sense of how murky and gross that water is because you can't see through it at all. It's just completely opaque and so disgusting looking. Yeah. I'm not even going to think about all the ridiculous things the crew had to go through in order to make this film possible. Uh, I'm not going to think about that because me as yeah. a set dresser on that, I'd, I'm not. I know. I was very curious. Like, is this a location? Did they, did they somehow build this swamp or is this a location and they had to have the actors like waiting around in it for two weeks or whatever? Would not, would not want that job. But I got to say, if I've said this once, I've said this a million times, I love well shot black and white photography so much. And I feel like it is it is so difficult to really, really excel at it. But when you do, the way that it strips away pieces of information and then makes your the way that you perceive textures and light and the relationship between shapes and foreground and background, it just makes things clearer in a certain way um, that I find really fascinating. And I just, it's such an incredible artistry when a, a, a director and a DOP are able to do really, really good black and white photography. And I think this movie has it. Yeah. Like I've said before, I'll say it again. Would highly recommend watching more Tarkovsky films. <laughs> I mean, he, he is known to be one of the best, like he's captured the best visuals as a filmmaker of all time. And, and it's, it's proven with every single thing that you watch. It's like, Oh, maybe this is just a one-time thing. And then you watch another one of his movies. You're like, mm, maybe it's just a two-time thing. And then you watch it like, well, no, it's everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, are you okay to kind of move forward to our little yeah. conclusion here? Yeah. I think that's pretty much everything that I, um, I had to, to say. Cool. So getting into our uh, awards for this movie, this movie uh, won nothing. <laughs> Basically, the only two awards that it won in general were uh, it won at the Venice Film Festival and the San Francisco International Film Festival. I think it won like best film or something like that. But that's literally it. It was nominated and won nothing else. Uh, this movie was Russia's submission for Best Foreign Language Film for the, Academy, for the Academy Awards, but it was not accepted as a nominee, which I don't understand why, uh, but 
that's another conversation for another day. So yeah, this movie did not really receive any noteworthy awards. Um, as far as a critical response, as Geneva and I have mentioned before, it's harder with older movies to get actual like results for this. But so there is no score for this on Metacritic, which I found to be interesting. Um, and on Rotten, Toma- on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 100%, <laughs> but I think it's only from like 26 people, but still 100%. I mean, how could you, obviously it's a, it's a, I mean, who wants to I be know. The, the one person who's like, you know what guys, this movie's average. Ivan's childhood is bad. Yeah. yeah this it's movie's a, like kind of subpar. <laughs> No, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's relatively well received in terms of like Rotten Tomatoes, but everything else we don't really, uh, you know, it's fine. Um, so I looked up some reviews again because this movie's older. There weren't really many available. I I find it surprising that I wasn't able to get much information on this because Tarkovsky is such a famous filmmaker, and this movie is known by many. But I don't know if it's like because it's older and because it's black and white and because it's foreign language I don't know but it was really hard for me to find information on this I mean this movie only had a handful of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes like I said it had no Metacritic page whatever so I don't know why that is I think it's unfortunate but whatever so I was able to find um one review from Maddie Lucas uh from front the from from the front row and it's a review from 2019 and just a little uh, a pick from it. It says, uh, it remains one of the most remarkable debuts in all of cinema and one of the most indelible portraits of war and childhood ever made. Which, just a reminder to everyone listening, this is a film debut. This is Tarkovsky's first film. He was 30 years old when this came out. Okay, I'm going to move on from that. Otherwise, I'll start crying. <laughs> Let's not think about that too deeply <laughs> or else. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I've got in terms of critical response to this. Um, so yeah, I guess just to close out, I mean, what about this film is going to stick with me? I mean, everything like I mean, the visuals, like I said, that scene of or that shot of Colin holding Masha over the trench is just something that lives forever in my mind for better or for worse um this is just a really emotionally powerful film um I as someone who really struggles with the concept of war in general um I like when movies communicate anti-war sorts of mentalities in a way that is honest but not over the top Um, and so I think this movie does a very good job of that. I'm very grateful this movie was able to be made in that 10 year ish period where stuff like this could be made. Um, and so, yeah, I think just like the, the anti-war messaging of this film and how it communicates it as well as just the, the amazing visual dynamics, uh, of this movie, that's going to be what, uh, what sticks with me. How about you, Geneva? Yeah, I mean, very, <laughs> Same. very similar. Like, I yeah, I don't know how much else I could say. The the visuals, the the sense of dread and doom and trauma and horror and violence, um, and the contrast with the innocence of childhood and um, you know the love of mother and son and um, sunshine and happiness with you know what the the present is in this film. It just it's such an effective um look at what the the human cost of war is and 
yeah, I think it should be seen by by more people. Yeah. It it holds up so well today. It totally does. Yeah. I find it interesting. I don't know what's going on with like you and me and the and the world right now and the universe, but the fact that we have watched this The Wind Rises, Doctor Strange Love and Oppenheimer <laughs> all within the course of like what, 2 months or whatever it is, 6 weeks. It's like very World War II into Cold War yeah. uh, theme going on here. I think I think we need to switch it up. And that being said, Geneva, please tell us what we're talking about next week. I didn't even I didn't even look at what was next on the docket. <laughs> we're going in a completely opposite direction. This is yes. a movie Thankfully, that next everyone on the docket, knows. It's we're going to be pivoting <laughs> to something much more lighthearted. Um, still, I think a very excellent and thought provoking movie, but in a very different genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we are covering Nora Ephron's When Harry Met Sally from 1989. I say Nora Ephron. It's actually directed by Rob Reiner, but Nora Ephron wrote it, and I always associated with her but i'll tribute to uh rob reiner because he did a great job but anyway um yeah so i'm looking forward to rewatching that and getting to chat about it i'm looking forward to discussing just a flat out comedy i feel like it's been a while <laughs> I, yeah i mean everybody wants some as a comedy but it's not like a oh this is i, I don't know for some reason well, when I, harry I don't met know that sally i would call when harry me. met sally a flat out comedy because it is very much also about you know, I'm. It's more a comedy than it is a drama, but it's also about like you know relationships, and there's some, some, um, some heart wrenching things that it, it covers. Like, um, it's not not <laughs> a comedy, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let, let's. I'm definitely looking forward to moving more into. Um, yeah that territory though yeah so, let's yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um. Okay. With that being said, uh, come back for next week thanks for listening to this episode and uh yeah yeah thank you again if anyone out here has not seen ivan's childhood it's Check not it a out. very long movie and it's well worth your time yeah v- very well worth your time so yeah all right talk to you next week guys bye bye thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.